You're listening to Podiatry Marketing, conversations on building a successful podiatry practice with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin, and with me today is Jim McDonald, and we are going to talk about clinic websites. Jim, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. Hopefully, people aren't uh, you know going too crazy and excitement for, uh, for for some website talk. But I think uh, you know we've talked on a lot of different subjects. I think probably more on a I wouldn't say like theoretical level, but just kind of like some some thoughts behind why you're doing marketing or what the purpose behind it is. But yeah. today we're going to get a little bit more tactical as far as like, you know, now that you feel like you want to do something in this space, like, like, so how are you actually going to get certain things done? So, so all, all websites aren't equal, are they? It's like all podiatry clinics are not the same. No, I mean, there's definitely not all equal, right? I mean, there's, that's a pretty, uh, you know, th- there's there's so much differentiation as far as like, you know, number one, who's going to build it, yeah. what's going to be on your website, you know, what kind of platform is it built on to give you, you know, functionality to save your staff time. We'll, d- we'll dive into all of those things today. But yeah, it's um, there's no shortage of like details you can get into in a, in, in a deep dive with clinic websites. So, okay. So I have a quick question. When it comes to websites, I know some podiatrists just do it themselves. They jump onto certain platforms and they just do it. Or like myself, I've gone to somebody else and had the website made for me. What is the difference? Why why not just do it yourself or why should you have somebody else do it? No, for sure. That's a great question. I think there's really kind of like four different kind of ways to go about having a clinic website uh, built. And I think you, you touched on one of them is that there are a lot of um, kind of user-friendly tools uh, yeah. and platforms out there today, whether it be you know Squarespace or WordPress or Wix. So it feels very approachable. You know, some of these tools are free as well. So and and they they have these user interfaces now that that make it feel like it's going to be easy to build a website. And you definitely can build, I would say, like kind of a it's easy to build like a brochure style website doing it yourself, but. You're, you're kind of um, giving up some of the kind of the, uh, some kind of advanced uh, technology or tools that are going to cost a bit of money to, um, uh, you know, obviously make it a better user experience for potential yeah. patients, but also having it tied into other marketing channels, online scheduling and other stuff that, you know, kind of builds into this, the second aspect of it. If you're not going to do it yourself, um, the next step is kind of what I'd say is, uh, Either a local internet, you know, website builder, or uh, someone that doesn't actually know the specialty of podiatry a little bit. So, because one one of the fears I've heard people say, or one of the th- one of the problems I've seen people have in the past, they've gone to somebody else have the website built for them, and it's a person working in their basement, and they they do the website, they get it all set up, it looks great, but then that person decides a year later to go back and become an accountant or do whatever it was that they were doing before. They don't hand over any passwords. The person that's got the website doesn't know how to get back into it. And I've heard that happening a, a lot. I think that's a good point, especially when you're building it yourself or building it with someone that's maybe not fully committed to that, Yeah, is that uh, the technology is always changing. The way that the websites looked and the way that the these different tools uh you know, needs specific types of maintenance and updates. You know, if you just set it and forget it from 10 years ago and you think your website's good now, it still might function, um, but it may not be secure. Like you said, you know, if someone, you know, ups and leaves and doesn't give you access to those things, um, that, that, that can be a, a huge 
uh, problem for your business, right? If you're, you know, you're trying to get patients to come to your website, make appointments, and that functionality either not working or someone's not kind of minding the store in a way, um, it can be a huge lost opportunity for any practice. Because I've heard, I was a podiatrist. I posted something in the podiatry business owners club a couple of weeks ago, and somebody mentioned something about, oh, my website. I have not looked at my website in seven years, and it still just kicks ass compared to everybody else's. And I went and had a look at it and I went, it looks like a dog's breakfast. <laughs> well, I mean, it's one of those things too, right? Like, you know, these tools are available. So it, it almost feels like you're kind of like mastering how to build websites by doing, yeah. by using some of these tools because they are easy to use. And usually they're, they're a lot less expensive, right? Some, sometimes people go with that person in the basement or that local provider that doesn't either know podiatry or how to really build out pages about podiatry because it's less expensive. And, um, and maybe like when you're just starting out or you're, you want to know a little bit about the technology, I think it's okay to experiment with some of these tools, but really, if you wanted to, like, as mentioned, like save your, your staff time or more be like, a kind of the center of your entire kind of like online presence, you're going to want to have someone, um, committed to it on a consistent basis. And that that's going to require a little bit more money, uh, and a little bit more investment, uh, in order to make that happen. Well, my friend Nikki Jed, that you know, that I've mentioned a few times to you, who did my website, and when I talked about podiatrists and some of them doing their own websites and wanting to do it on the cheap and not wanting to get a somebody to do the website for them properly, and she made a comment to me once, and it, I just went, oh, that's so true. She went, you know what? I can probably pick up a pair of clippers and treat my partner's ingrown toenail as well, but I choose to get a professional to do it. She goes, so when I hear these podiatrists say, oh, no, I don't want to spend that money to get a proper website. She goes, yet they'll be the same podiatrists that will complain that people go to a chemist shop to buy their orthotics or will go and see their, their local general practitioner to get an ingrown toenail done and not done by them. And she says, do you sometimes get what you give out? No, for sure. And like I said, there's this kind of like, it feels very approachable. And, it, and like, you can build some aspect of a website yourself, right? So like, kind of like the next levels of abstraction away from, you know, either doing it yourself or hiring someone locally you know, at a low cost. Um, but you do kind of get what you pay for. Um, the next step beyond that, I would say, is more kind of like a high volume, like a podiatry website developer yeah. or just a medical kind of a, sometimes you see these practice um what's a practice growth engines. You know, I don't want to, I'm not here to slam anyone, but yeah. um Definitely there, there's larger companies out there available that, you know, maybe in the ballpark for a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars a month, that they're gonna give you access to a little bit of tools. But with some of these different providers, you don't actually own your website anymore. Um, that it's built on their platform. Uh, and it, while it might be a, a beneficial website, if tomorrow they decide to start charging you double and you don't own any of the content that's currently on your website, the problem becomes that like you're going to have to start all the way back from zero again. How do people um, work that out? How do someone, How do you know if your website, whether you own your website or whether you don't? Yeah, so it's, it's really kind of in the contract you have or the, the kind of the, the service agreement you have with whatever provider you're, you're using. You know, for me, like I have very clearly um, in any kind of service agreement, I work with podiatry clinics and, and do this for them. Um, so they can see that they own that content, they own their domain name, they own the kind of the stuff that we've worked on together that they've paid for uh, during uh, utilizing the services I provide. So 
it, it should be in that contract information. And sometimes it's in the, in the fine print and you really have to know. Um, for example, like Patient Pop is, is one perfect example of, of a company that I've heard provides good results for folks, um, but there's no, um, you know, no clause there that where you actually own all that content. They, they own that content that's on your website. So if they decide to charge you double tomorrow, um, you know, your only recourse is to kind of start from scratch. Also, you have to be aware of that different providers don't always have um, an exclusivity clause in your local area. So, you know, if you have a website that's built on a specific platform and two other podiatrists, you know, either in your town or straight down the street from you, you want to use that same provider. Some of these services don't provide a, like local exclusivity. And if you're going to have somebody work on your behalf to build a website yeah. or to help you kind of build an online presence, you want to know that they're working in your best interests. So it's really important to know that whatever, whoever you work with, um, you know, and the reason that if they are charging a thousand dollars a month, very likely they're, they're looking at you at from kind of a volume standpoint, they want a hundred of you or a thousand podiatry websites. They don't just want one or two or, or 10. They're looking at, a significant volume of of websites to to be managing and to be building. Okay, so when you build websites with people, do you do it on a monthly fee or do you do a flat fee? Build the website and leave it. How do you go about it? Yeah, so that's a good question. So like I'm kind of that fourth entity. I'm kind of that podiatrist that knows how to write, knows how to you know write podiatry content, build websites, build in tools to for scheduling and doing those different things, but. It's it's it is on a monthly retainer, right? Yeah. So um, it's one of these things where, uh, depending on the, the the needs of that clinic and what they're trying to achieve in their practice, it's kind of building out a, a custom set of different um, you know marketing uh, tools and utilizing different marketing strategies to really benefit the practice and you know get those specific types of patients they want to have coming into their clinic. So when when you're building a website for someone, you're not just building a website; you're also helping them manage that website month to month to make sure they're putting the right information on there. Yeah, it's some of the stuff we've talked about in previous episodes, to be honest, Tyson. We, first, you have to know who who is the clinic and who is the yeah. doctor you're working with to understand what's going to give them, you know, financial, you know, financial freedom, but also professional satisfaction. Like, what do they want to see more of in their practice? You could call it that way. Um, so it starts with kind of like understanding what their vision and what they want to build. Um, and then it's up to me to kind of help translate that into something digital, starting with a website, because that's really your kind of home base for your online presence on the internet is a, a great functional website. So understanding what that is, and then it's, it's about building out content around that vision or what that objective is. Cause you know, I think a lot of no, no patient comes to a website looking for, you know, 30 paragraphs about heel pain yeah. or, you know, or just a, a, a wall of text. They want to see themselves sitting in the treatment chair and seeing that doctor, that team of uh, at the podiatry clinic taking care of them. So it's a matter of coordinating different types of media where that also be, you know, photographs, videos, written content, um, and just building out a website that really projects that level of expertise uh, is kind of where I come in not only from a building standpoint, but also maintaining and also kind of gradually uh, improving over time. Yeah, and you're doing this mainly for North America, aren't you? So like if someone's listening to this in Australia, just contact me and I'll tell you who I use. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that works. You know, the great thing about being a, a, a digital marketer, building out websites for people is I can build it anywhere. Obviously, yeah. uh, some of your contacts might have a better understanding of you know, an Australian, Australian podiatrist or a podiatrist in New Zealand uh, or other folks kind of on your side of the planet. But yeah, definitely uh, worked with mostly U.S. based podiatrists in the past, but definitely Canadians or anyone else that you know, just just wants to know more about uh, building out websites, but uh, that that's kind of like that's kind of the different differentiation as far as the different providers. Um, there's different different types of tools and kind of platforms. I would say that also can make a difference in how how many tools can be plugged into that um, is important. Obviously, in the in the United States, it's it's about being HIPAA compliant as well to making sure that your tools are not. Um, you know, being scoff laws when it comes to patient privacy and other things like that. So, you know, making sure that whatever platform the website is built on is adaptable um, and willing to kind of like play within the rules of whatever location that it's based in. Okay. So what are the sections? If you're looking at a website, there must be certain sections that you think should be on the website. It's not just like one page and it's like a brochure that you see. Sometimes you just scroll through them. It's one thing after another thing and it just keeps going. What what sections do you think are mandatory on a website? Yeah, so I'd say the first and most important thing is the homepage, right? And and the home when you look at the homepage, it's like, what is that banner image showing right when you land, right? Because that's, that's the kind of first impression that you make uh, as a practice and as a provider is when someone lands on your homepage. So what is center stage when they turn up? 100%. That might, that might be a throwback to a different episode. I'm not sure. Uh, but if, <laughs> if you haven't listened to that episode, check out episode seven. Uh, but yeah, you just want to have that be very clear to the pa- in the patient's mind. No confusion about you know, what you, the type of care that you want to provide. So and then it's just you know kind of building trust on that homepage. Maybe it's showing things like uh, the number of reviews you have on Google or some actual written patient reviews. Uh, just kind of building trust and rapport with that patient. And then as you kind of like you know build out different sections of that website, you know it's really about um, I would say kind of like what type of treatment you know if you don't have it on your homepage, what are the other types of treatment do you want to provide? You know do you want to do heel pain? Do you want to provide surgery? You know, having some very clearly um, and well-designed pages on those topics is hugely important. Um, also on that homepage, before I jump too far, is that you want to make sure your phone number and the way to contact you in your clinic stands out visually yeah. so that there's people don't have to like click three times, search like two pages deep and wonder where's your phone number and where is that either contact form or way to make an online appointment, I'd say. I've seen that on some websites where especially podiatry websites, I'll look at them and I can't find their phone number. I can't find their phone number. I can't find their email address. And I'm thinking, where's the contact section? And I'm scrolling down the page and eventually I'll find out where they are. And I'm going, oh, that that is annoying. I reckon it should be really obvious. And you're probably motivated to find their numbers, right? Can you imagine someone that's just kind of like, you know, looking around to see who the professional, you know, yeah. heel pain specialist in the area, and there's no way to contact them that's really clearly um, on their website. What, the, what are they going to do? They're going to bounce back to Google and probably go to a different clinic. And that's just what's going to happen if you don't have a website that kind of brings them in and shows them how to contact you or give them that kind of a good user or kind of a good patient experience on your website. So. Uh, beyond that, I think it's important as far as like displaying your location and your hours, or at least a link to that, um, so they know how do they get to where you're at. That's probably one of the most common reasons that 
maybe people my generation or older will, will call into a clinic if you can, and this is one of the ways you can save time for your staff. Um, you don't want them on the phone, either taking credit card numbers or having to give people like verbal directions. If you have a link on your website, that's really easy. Um, it's a huge time saver for, for you and for your staff. Um, so they can really provide a great in-clinic experience for the patients that are already there and not just be hanging on the phone, um, you, know, you know, not wasting time, but just like their time is better used in other ways. Also, I would say that like an, on, a, a, an online bill pay, like I mentioned, like you don't want someone on the phone running over a credit card. Um, that's not a good use of your staff's time. Have an online bill pay link on the website. Um, obviously a link to like your, our team or to who you are. So if people really want to learn about, you know, how are you contributing to the community? What's your background and your training? Um, you do have that there, but it shouldn't necessarily be all about you on your homepage. It should be more about the needs of your patient, um, and kind of what they're, what they're searching for. And the last but not least having it, like, like I said, with a phone number or a contact form, making it brutally plain to see like multiple ways for them to interact and get onto your clinic schedule is hugely important. So that's, those are the kind of like the sections or the links that should be on a homepage to really kind of like show, show patients like who you are and the services you provide. Well, especially the whole online booking. When my last podiatry, I sold it five years ago. And back then we were sort of, the online booking was just starting to come in and I was very much against online bookings i was like no i like the personal touch of the phone you can answer ask questions but probably the last 10 times i've either seen a physio my gp or any other health provider i've gone to the website and i'm looking for the online booking thing because it is so much easier to just get online book it at night time in my time i don't have to worry about doing it during the day find a spot book myself in so I can really see the advantage of having the whole online, the online booking portal. You got to have it. No, a hundred percent, especially with the way that um, people interact these days, especially people younger than us. Uh, yes. Their preferred ways of communicating is much different than older generations. I would say like by, by having multiple ways to contact your clinic, whether it be through the phone number or through the contact form, you know, some people are using chat bots and other ways to text uh, can be beneficial. Um, but like, but like the younger generation doesn't want to talk to anybody on the phone these days. They want to text or have a website to be able to make that book that appointment or or move it forward. So if you're, you know, I think there, there's a bit of a trade-off, right? Like uh, your ability to filter patients has maybe decreased a little bit when you do have some of these uh, online booking uh, systems. Yeah, I think some of them are better than others as far as when you're allowed to to make an appointment because I know that. You know, controlling your time and really seeing the patients you want to see is really important for for certain uh, provide you know certain podiatrists compared to others. But really, the more you know, the more successful you are, the further along you in practice, the more volume you're seeing. The the kind of the, the more you can kind of um, filter things out. But like I said, you want to make sure you have ways for these different forms of communication or this way these prospective pa patients want to communicate with you, and you're not you know. You just have a phone number there that's not clickable and there's no contact form or no way to text your clinic you're really going to be missing out especially if you're trying to go after a younger more active uh clientele in a way so what's your thinking on having a blog section and how often should someone write a blog and put it on the website 
So the way I address blogging, it might be a little bit different than some of the other service providers out there, but to me, the, the first step of any good website, it's not like I talked about either with the treatments or the kind of the things you treat, you should have dedicated pages to things like heel pain and plantar fasciitis or um, surgery, or just obviously those things that you wanna see a lot of. Um, I see blogging as more a way to connect with your community, to show involvement in your community, to show partnerships you have with other either healthcare providers or other local businesses. It's a way to get their name out um, in front of your audience or on your website and basically produces links back to their website. Yeah. So to me, blogging is really about connecting with, uh, like I said, these partners, either be medical or local businesses, giving them some you know, FaceTime on your website or on your social channels, and then kind of that link building aspect. But I would say that until you really have a solid foundation with all those different sections I mentioned previously and pages built out for all the different types of care you want to provide, like blogging is kind of like that, you know, the, the cherry on top or the frosting as opposed to the real foundation of a strong website strategy. Yeah, so some of these other things you're talking about are more like evergreen articles where you'll talk about neuromas and you'll, you'll have these different things of things that you enjoy treating and you'll have a good article written on that that is probably not going to get changed or edited in any way. So they're always going to be there and then the blogs come in over the top especially like topical items like oh, I usually recommend to people when the Australian opens on or say Wimbledon or the US open every day do a search for foot injuries say US open foot injuries Australian open and if there's a player high profile player that's hurt their foot then write a blog article about it because people are searching for that information and it's a great way of sort of just popping up in the in the news items that that people actually want to read at that time yeah, that, that can be a successful strategy once you kind of get these basics done. I think I think along the long lines of what you're talking about here with uh, those kind of these kind of standard pages or these kind of like well built out kind of resources for di yeah. different topics about things you want to treat is that you're having a section that is like a Q&A, like a frequently asked questions, mm. you know, like when, when should I see a podiatrist about heel pain? When should I, you know, like what can I do? What are some home remedies? Not that you're going to be treating via your website, but there's certain things that are already kind of out there on um, mayoclinic.com or WebMD and stuff. You're never going to beat those folks, but just having some helpful resources that answer some basic questions or help educate patients about some of the things that you treat. So when they come to your practice, they're kind of like teed up and they kind of have a general expectation of what you're going to do. One section I did forget about, which can be very valuable, both on an organic and a paid way is what are called the areas we serve pages. Um, a lot of times patients are, and this is what I built, build a lot with the, the clinics I work with, even if they have a reasonably good website or they've had someone build one two years ago and now they want to work with somebody new, yeah. um, people are searching for podiatrist Boston, foot surgeon Boston, but it's not only the Boston area, maybe someone lives in a suburb of Boston. So finding those five or six different suburbs, maybe around where you practice or the, the nearby towns where you practice, and build out a specific page that that you treat, you know, patients from Smithville or Morristown or somewhere. Uh, so when people do, like you talked about, when people are searching for podiatrist Morristown or uh, you know podiatrist Boston, you're going to come up in the rankings. And this is something we're going to get into a little bit later on in a different show around kind of search engine optimization and how you can 
kind of um, give people what they're looking for in Google with the relevant result that might benefit your practice as well. Yeah, that was actually going to be my final question, was going to ask you about making sure locality and guides, uh, locality areas and suburbs and towns are in on your website somewhere, especially when you're in a, a smaller town like, say, Cairns, or you're in Toowoomba, yeah, which will mean absolutely nothing to you when I say Toowoomba, but there's certain air, regional areas that you'll go through the website and it's really hard to actually find. You know they're in Toowoomba, but it's hard to find them in Toowoomba, for example. So I, I think having the locality areas mentioned is a really good idea. And I think one aspect, just backing up a little bit, you said, you know, why don't you want to build it yourself or why don't you want to kind of a cheap provider that's going to go away? Um, websites are, to be honest, they're, this SEO aspect of things is almost like an invisible thing that people don't really know exists, right? Like yeah. until you kind of like understand the power of it, until you realize that typing things like Podiatrist Boston and how powerful ranking number one can be for that, until you kind of figure that out, like then you realize why why it makes sense to pay someone two or three thousand dollars a month to build a website for you if they can get you in that top three because when you don't know about that you look at a website you're like wow that looks like a you know the prettiest website the most visually appealing website that doesn't have call to actions that doesn't have a way to make an appointment that isn't ranking well and there are great websites that do not rank well it's like a it's, it's like a, a pretty car that you, you can't drive right like it's like you know like i don't know like living in a in a city where the speed limit's 30 miles an hour uh and you got a lambo or something i don't know like and, and you're just you have to go the speed limit right yeah. as opposed to like when you see that seo and the like uh that like that this is an opportunity i mean you could have a, a dinky kind of website that has amazing seo juice to it you know like have a little like, you know, a little mini Cooper, put it on the racetrack and you're just flying because of like how it's been built. And you've kind of opened up your eyes to the power of what a good clinic website can be. Um, yeah, that, that's where I sometimes see it can be, what is, you know, what is the return on investment of something as opposed to like, you know, are you just gonna make me a pretty website uh, versus like a crappy looking website? So that's, that's one level, level of kind of complexity that um, maybe isn't explained very well, um, or the words, you know, search engine optimization feels so like mysterious that people can use it in kind of nefarious ways to try to, um, it feels almost like, if, like not magic, but just like, you don't know how it works. So like, how can it be a real thing? I think it's with anything. Sometimes we only ever see what's on the surface. So you see a good-looking website, you assume it must be a good website. But it is also important to have visually good-looking website because patients, I think, when they come to your website, they can straight away, they might even they may not even consciously say, oh, geez, that's an old, out-of-date website. But subconsciously, they can probably notice the difference because they've seen so many good ones as time's gone on and they don't know why they don't feel comfortable with your website. They can look at it and it's, it's out of date, but they don't realize that's what I don't like about this particular clinic. And then they'll move on to somebody else that may have a better looking website, especially I think in regional areas when, when you might go to a town and there's only four podiatrists. So they're probably going to look at all four websites and do a comparison. Well, us humans, like we're, we're kind of superficial in nature, right? We oh, have bloody, a, kind of yes, a, we are. Yeah. A, a flight or fight, you know, fight or flight kind of response to certain things. And we know kind of like within, 
you know, a short period of time, like what our gut instinct is and to try to get beyond that gut instinct or kind of our initial first impression of something, you know, we've all, you know, met somebody that first time and just had a bad interaction with someone. Right. And like, um, maybe you learn, maybe you spend more time with that person in the future and you realize that was just a bad incident. But like, you know, if you go to like a crappy website and you have that, like, Ooh, I don't know, kind yeah. of gut feeling like you're, that person's probably not likely to come back to it. So I think it is, you're right. Like the aesthetics matter, the way it's built matter, especially the way it's built at the beginning, right? You can sometimes retrofit these things a little bit, but when you build a website that looks great and performs well from the beginning, like you said, it just builds momentum and, and it can be a real uh, benefit to, to anybody's practice. It's like finding a partner. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the same yeah. thing. You don't like, you don't see someone of the opposite sex walk down the road and you go, oh, got to go and talk to them. They've probably got a great personality. There's got to be that there's that attraction that attracts you to it in the first place. So I think your website is the same. There's going to be something that's going to attract you to it. And then as you get into it, you're going to work out whether you like it or dislike it. No, exactly. You have to decide, like, you know, is this something I can be with long term? Right? <laughs> like, uh, it could be the, the best looking uh, thing ever. But unless there's, uh, you know, like, this is something you want to, like, you know, go through the good times and the bad times with. And that yeah. could be not only your website, but the person you're working with. Right. Like if. Um, you know, how well, you know, that does that provide a respond to your emails or, you know, if you're having, you know, issues with something, if something's broken um, and they're not responding for a week or two, uh, you know, it, it is one of those things. It is a, a relationship or at least like a, a partnership that has to, to be built on, on trust and, and be seen as a long-term, long-term thing. Well, I'm just writing something down for a future episode, Service Peeves. We should do an episode that just things that annoy us about other businesses and make sure we don't do it in podiatry. Anyway, Jim, just looking at the time, I think we should wrap up on this. So um, any final words before we finish? No, I think it's a matter of just like, like, like we talked about, just d diving a little bit deeper into the surface of websites to really understand what you're trying to achieve with it. And, you know, there are opportunities to save staff time, to improve the patient experience in your clinic, to make websites work for you. It's just a matter of like uh, how people view it and truly understanding that opportunity exists uh, with the different op options out there. That sounds good. So, okay, Jim, I will talk to you again next week. Sounds good, Tyson. Thanks for listening to Podiatry Marketing with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Subscribe and learn more at Podiatry Marketing. That's the website address, podiatry.marketing.